Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Motorsport this week. Uh, I'm Jez. I'll be hosting uh, this edition of the podcast, and we're joined again by Lewis. And welcome back to Alex. How are you, boys? I'm all right. It's good to be back. I'm very good. Well. Thank you, Jez. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, all right, let's just let's just start things off. Uh, Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. Um, I mean, for Monaco standards, it was one of the better races of Monaco, wasn't it? Start with you, Lewis. In, initial thoughts from it. The rain definitely, um, yeah, you know, spoils things up a bit, and it was good. It was good to hear, you know, Max Verstappen scream down the radio like a little boy. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just Alonso could have won that race, and I'm upset that Alonso didn't win that race. But you know, he well, he's a strat. Well, not he's not the strat. He's not the strat chief strategist at um, Aston, and mm-hmm. he's obviously a lot smarter than us because he's got yeah. the job at Aston. So I don't know what he was doing, you know, boxing him on medium tires when everyone on the grid everyone else on the grid was boxing for inters but yeah i don't know what what he was doing but at the end of the day it is what it is you know what i mean yeah it is what it is alex it is what it is. Um, i mean from what i saw it well, it wasn't a lot this weekend it did look a bit of a hectic race especially when the the rain come pouring down what what happened with perez it just looked like he was just having an absolute nightmare weekend yeah he he binned, he binned it in quali and then and he just never, you, you, you can't really recover in Monaco, can you? No, definitely not. But then he was also having like, yeah, from my, so obviously I know the one with Russell, the coming together wasn't his fault, but he didn't he have someone else, um, an issue with someone else as well, going into the chicane? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, um, that, that happened on like, oh, that was like the most interesting. Yeah. Right. I think it was, I think it was with Lance Stroll that he had a, a few issues with at the chicane. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, stroll at the hairpin. I don't know if you have you seen the video of. Uh, I don't know whether it was in the race or I don't think it was because when the rain had come down and it looks like he just he turns in and then as he's halfway through the um, hairpin he just goes straight on it because the car just slides. Yeah. But it looks like he sped up, so it looks like he just drove straight into the wall instead of actually obviously turning around. <laughs> so it just looked like they all forgot how to drive from the from the clips that I've seen. Yeah, it's it's just like the, the rain just came suddenly down so heavily like obviously they're they expecting rain but all over the all over tv commentary all you could do was crofty saying uh rain is coming at this point or rain's coming at this point different teams were saying different things and then the rain suddenly just dumps its way onto the track and then everyone is is having a, is having a nightmare everyone's scrambling to get back to the pits and then i mean obviously lewis has touched on it already alonso's I don't know why, like everyone was coming in on inters, but then the Aston Martin strategy team decided to put dry tyres on Fernando Alonso. It just baffles my mind that they I, did that. I think it's because Lance Stroll pitted for inters like three laps before, and someone obviously decided within the team that they just weren't working. So mm. I think I think they made the call, but obviously they made they made the wrong decision, but. Can't blame them. It's Monaco, you know. What I mean, like, it's it's just an F one race. Yeah, I mean, Lance Stroll, Lance Stroll himself didn't really have a good weekend. I mean, you see Fernando Alonso up there in the podium places. What five podiums out of the six races we've had so far? 
and Larnstraw hasn't really been anywhere near Alonso in, in quali or in the race. Do you think that they will it, never drop him? I will nah. never ever drop him. But like, come on. If if we're looking for the good the, for the good of the team, realistically <laughs> Lance Stroll should be dropped. Like, is it is it do you not think it's time to have that conversation? Yeah, but where... who who would you put who would you put in that seat? There's plenty of drivers to put in that seat, isn't there? Yeah. yeah Realistically, could... I'm not knocking Lance Stroll. I, think he, I don't think he's as bad as what people say, but we, uh, the conversation's been had for years now, hasn't it? Like, he's only in that seat because of his dad's money or whatever. Like, and he's still, like, as long as his dad's there, he, he will be in that Aston Martin, which is a shame because there's better drivers on him. And like you said, he hasn't really got near Alonso. And Alonso, like you said, five podiums from six races and his other finish was P4. It's a big difference, isn't it, between the two teammates? Exactly, and like, like you said, there are loads of different drivers that are available for that for that seat. I think the main one to look at is Felipe Drogovic, F two champion, Aston Aston my development driver. I mean, he is the ideal candidate to potentially replace Lance Stroll. Um, I mean, it also helps from like from the commercial side because of because of uh, Drogovic's Brazilianness and how how much he generates from. Brazilian viewers and the the income that he could possibly bring, which may which may entice Lawrence Stroll somewhat. But, I mean, Lawrence Stroll he's had what five five years in that in in that uh, Aston Martin Racing Point team to prove himself worthy of a seat. He hasn't really done that. Is it what three podiums in his F one career? Two in that Aston and the, Martin and the pole, and the pole yeah. Huh. It's just oh. fell apart. <laughs> yeah, he's just, since then he's just been, he's just not been at it, and it, it it is pretty. I think it is time to have a discussion about getting him gone, putting someone else in that seat. But it's just whether Lawrence Stroll will, you know, prioritize the good of the team, but over his son. He will never do. <sighs> See, that's the issue, though. We like we discuss all the time, don't we, about how, like, so Hamilton for, Hamilton, for example, with his contract coming to the end, and we always look at Ferrari, maybe Red Bull, like moving down to another team. We never discuss him maybe going to Aston Martin because we just know it's not going to happen. Unless, exactly. obviously, Alonso moves on, which he's not going to because it all seems happy there at the minute. So, like, we never discuss that second driver seat in Aston Martin because everyone just knows that it's going to be Lance Stroll, which, it, you know, it maybe shouldn't be. You know, if like as you said, there's the evidence there to say that he, you know, over the five years, which seems mad, by the way, that he's been in that racing point, um, Aston Martin for five years. I know, <laughs> five seasons, and like he's not really like that because they've had, you know, in the racing point, they're a good car as well. So, I think definitely the conversation is there to be had. Whether who who it could be, obviously. Very good driver, young driver, very good. When I went to see him last year in Spain, he's very dominant that uh, that weekend. But who, maybe on like the F1 grid, who could you maybe see if he was to go? That is hypothetically. I mean, I'm, I'm looking maybe like a, a Joe, Joe Guan Yu, perhaps because of um, uh, the it's an interesting one. There's a, there's a, I've got I've got some sort of thought to this because. Um, the I think it's I think it's the Aston Martin team. There's a there's some sort of Chinese consortium that's also like part owning Aston Martin. I may be getting I might I might be getting this completely wrong. It might be a different team, but there is a team on the F1 grid that has like Chinese backing with them. 
and maybe that team would like to see Joe Guan Yu. I think it's Aston Martin. And if it is, it would make perfect sense to have the Chinese, the Chinese back team or with the, the minority shares in that team have a Chinese driver to represent them. It would make sense on that standpoint. And Joe Guan Yu's been all right. He hasn't been uh, earth-shaking, as in... He hasn't, he hasn't set the world alight with that Alfa Romeo, but can't really do much with Alfa Romeo. But he's 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 a decent driver. Maybe there's a maybe there's a conversation to be had with him. Maybe his future with like with the likes of Teo Porcher coming up in a in F two. But I mean, that's a name to throw out there. Lewis, you got any any names? Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Teo Porcher, but um, yeah. It, it, it's just it's just a hard one, obviously. You know, you don't wanna say you don't wanna see, you know, Zhou Guan Yu, you know, go from F one. But I don't know, I think I think there needs to come a point or he's done all right at Aston, but realistically, you know, he's being he's being built beaten by his teammate Bottas. Well, week in, week out, and I know Bottas has had the experience, he's been in F one since 2014, I believe. I think so, yeah. 2014, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I'd like to see Terry Porcher in that in that seat over <laughs> Joe Guanyu, to be honest, because you know he's not he's not like a very like good personality like Oscar, Oscar Piastri. You know, I was so excited for him when he when he actually like came into F1. Like, I remember listening to the Pit Stop podcast and like back in October when he like first got announced as a McLaren driver and I was just so excited for him. But ever since he's been in F1, he's just been boring, just boring. Like, you know, I've so have some personality. Like Lando Norris is not the best person, but at least he has like a personality. You know what I mean? I was gonna say it might, it might come with the fact that the the McLaren the McLaren car is just woeful. <laughs> like it's it, there's not really anything to be to be happy about if you're Oscar Piastri. Yeah, you've got a couple of Q twos, Q threes here and there, but it's just not been very consistent that that McLaren and and it's not really not probably not what he would have expected when he when he chose McLaren over Alpine. You see Esteban Esteban Ocon's on the podium in Monaco for goodness sake and. I can't quite remember where Piastri finished in Monaco, but can't imagine it was too high. P10? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he did yeah, get a point. Was he double points for McLaren this weekend as well? I think Norris is P9. Uh, yeah. All right, okay. My, I, I'm mistaken then. So, <laughs> decent decent points that for McLaren, considering how uh, up and down their season's been so far. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, Piastri's, Piastri's a confident, shall we say, he's been dampened perhaps yeah but a bit of a bit of a boring personality yeah but he's not the thing is though he's not gonna be walking around the grid being dead arrogant if you've seen like i know it's a completely different sport but if you've seen like conor mcgregor he was a, he was a nobody and then he started mouthing off to everyone like imagine imagine like how like exciting f1 would be if like you had people like funny drivers like Conor McGregor, <laughs> <laughs> just hurling abuse at each other twenty four seven. Press conferences would be the best things ever. <laughs> 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 just, just, I don't think uh, 
the F1 would enjoy that, just constantly bleeping every single press conference. The amount of time you'd <laughs> have to do that. <laughs> you know, like Lewis and Max getting separated by all the other drivers. <laughs> <laughs> would would oh. be a cool concept. I mean, speaking of Max, I mean, I'm, obviously, I'm pretty stoked that he dominated Monaco. But uh, I'm not really talking about the race because the race was just clean, composed from Max. As as good as you can be for Monaco, uh, we had we obviously had to talk about this off camera, but the the qualifying lap, that final sector in Q three, that that could that could well be one of the best final sectors Monaco's ever seen. Like it's phenomenal, the, the, the precision he had to gain two tenths was just driving through the tightest part of the track. Like that was pure driver skill i mean yeah you can argue the car is amazing which it is the car is really really good but at the end of the day at monaco the car really doesn't matter it's more driver skill trying to perfect every single corner and trying to gain as much time as you can but that that final sector from verstappen was just brilliant it really really was what do you what do you boys think of it I just find it mad. Like I, I said to you guys before, I saw uh, like a comparison, and they were like side to like um sorry going into the final sector. Verstappen started like if they were like say racing terms, he he was start his car was behind Alonso, and then the second last corner he's just like that's where he gained all the time, and he's got a great exit out of the final corner. It's it is amazing. Like obviously, like Jez, you said, he's got the car, and like that's where everyone's going to point to the same as they did with Hamilton, the same as they do with Schumacher. He's got the best car, but he, like, there's no doubt he's a phenomenal racing driver. And that, like uh, we've had this discussion in in previous podcasts, you know, if he was to mean like stay in F1 with a good car, you know, he, he will come close to the likes of Hamilton and Schumacher. There's no doubt, especially with the amount of races that are. You know this year and then what are going to be going into future years like what's he on now for the season is that six out of the seven or are we on five out of six yeah i think it's i think it's five out of six yeah it's just yeah. ridiculous i know like and like perez looked close to him at some points this season but he's not really been challenged has he it, it's been so comfortable for him and in the same car as well and like obviously perez is no like that just shows perez is nowhere near the, uh, like the level of the staff, and I think the only two on the grid are Hamilton and Alonso. Yeah, but the thing, the thing, the thing you have to think about with the Red Bull car, it's built for Verstappen, and you know the number two driver just has to make do with you know whatever they're given, and for Perez to like, you know, like you know in Baku, like obviously Perez won, and it was a bit of a like. Max got like, a bit like, done over on the strategy, but to pull like, a three-second lead on Verstappen in a car built for Verstappen, Perez has that in him, but I just reckon, you know, they're going to prioritise Verstappen, you know, with the, with the race strategies, with the pit stops, like we saw last year in Spain, Checo was leading the race, and he had to let Max through, I, I don't know if he was leading, I didn't watch it last year, but Alex, you were there. I was, uh, yeah. I think I think the Perez he was definitely on for the win. I don't know whether he was actually leading, but I'm pretty sure he was though. But yeah, I think I, I think we've said this before though. I do think last year though it was a slight was slightly bit different to what we're seeing this year because last year they had the challenge of Leclerc and possibly Carlos Sainz. So obviously they're thinking then we've got to outscore Charles Leclerc, not outscore 
uh, Perez, whereas this year they're the only challenge for Verstappen is Perez. So, like, I think if they were, I mean, now the gaps, I don't know what the gaps are, but obviously it's getting bigger and bigger each week. But, like, they, they surely they can't prioritize Perez and, like, you know, not sorry, they can't prioritize Verstappen because realistically that's where the title fight is. Not that it's much of a fight, you know. Perez is basically fighting with one arm behind his back, and Verstappen just constantly pelts him in the face. But that's where it is. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be—we've not really seen it happen yet. But it, I'd be so disappointed if they did prioritize Verstappen moving forward in terms of strategy. Like, I wish they just let them race. You know, whoever's quicker on the day wins the race, and that's it. Not this. Oh, we need to let Verstappen go because we need more points in the championship. Well, he doesn't. You know what I mean, and like, if Perez can defend him, he should be allowed to. And if they come together, well, obviously Red Bull are going to have to deal with that. And that that might be another reason as to why they do maybe prioritise Verstappen because we have seen in the past and we with Ricardo and obviously all that where they were coming together quite a few times and Baku being there. In Baku. Okay. Yeah, in Baku. Max moved under braking, changed his position twice. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of Max Verstappen terrorism for you. Yeah, I think it was a bit of fifty-fifty. To be honest with you, I think the high speed. I, I don't know what Ricardo was doing. I don't know what Verstappen was doing. It's, it's one of them. I feel like every, the argument's been going since that happened with that crash. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, that argument has just raged on for. But almost the entire entirety of time, uh, there wasn't anything else really standing out from from Monaco. Was there? There was no major incidents or anything that cropped up. James, I've got a question for you. What, oh, go on. What do you What do you think of Nick DeVries? And do you think Do you think he's gonna get a mid season swap because it's six rounds into the season, and he's he's not scored a single point, and you keep. You know, I don't know what Yuki Sonoda, I think he's a little, you know, he's 22 screaming at his engineers, worse than Lando Norris. But, um, you know, I, he scored points. So how long do you reckon it is before Nick De Vries gets the sack? Uh, it's, a, it's a toughie. It is, it is a toughie. Because oh, obviously Nick De Vries is, it's, I think it's a, only a one-year contract that he's got for... For Avatari this year, I'm not too I'm not too sure on that, but I feel like he was brought in as just like a placeholder for Liam Lawson once he's done with Super Formula or or whatever he's done. But yeah, that uh, that race at Monza last year in that Williams was a was a real uh, red herring of a race result. I think I do not I do not know where that came from. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how he managed to do that. Obviously, Nicholas Latifi isn't uh, the greatest driver on the planet. It's not. the. It's not the uh, hardest tasks to to beat him uh, in qualifying and in a race situation. <laughs> Nicholas Latifi <laughs> managed to finish twenty second in a twenty driver championship. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! How <laughs> oh, was how was Latifi caught strays from this? I forgot about that man. I feel so bad for him. I hope he's all right. Yeah. If if you're watching Nicholas, uh, we hope you're all right. Hopefully, you you get up to to some good stuff. But back back to the the question at hand. I think maybe there is an element that Nick DeVries' time might be up in Formula One. I I don't think Helmer Mark 
is going to be as ruthless as he was with Gasly and um, Danny Kvyat when they had their when they had their Red Bull drives taken over in mid season. But um, I feel like Nick DeVries will be one and done in in F one. Like there's so many talented drivers in that in that Red Bull Academy. Obviously, I've said Liam Lawson already. You've got Enzo Fittipaldi is there, uh, Ayumu Owasa, another one of uh, Japan, Japan's super talents behind the wheel. You've got Zayn Maloney, who got, who got a podium in Monaco uh, this weekend, the, the boy from Barbados, and you've got Isaac Hajar. There's so many Red Bull, Red Bull drivers. Dennis Hauger as well, uh, F3 champion. He's also in there. There's so many options for Red Bull. It's just, can they pick the right one? Because Nick DeVries is definitely not it for me. Um, if Liam Lawson is ready for Formula One, why is, why is he carrying on with Super Formula? I don't get it. Or we we had the same situation with Gasly where he was meant to he he was meant to replace someone at Circuit of the Americas, but he couldn't he couldn't do it because of Super Formula. Like what? Why wouldn't you just drop that championship for Formula One? I I just don't get it. Well, Super Formula could be. Like a, a chance to win a championship. It's also to add super license points for Liam Lawson. Maybe he doesn't have the the required super license points to get into F1 just yet. So a year of Super Formula, maybe he wins Super Formula. I'm not sure where he is in the standings, but if he does win Super Formula, then more license, more super license points, a straight seat into F1. Like it makes it makes sense to me that De Vries is there for this year, and then Liam Lawson could come in. And take over from there. I mean, that's just my thoughts on it, Alex. Just sort of what you said, Jez, with with him only having one year contract, it's almost like it was just a bit of a stopgap going forward into the 2024 season. Not being horrible to Nick DeVry, but it is a bit weird how he's gone from the Mercedes program as well into that Rebel one. So it's almost like, um, not Torres, going back a few years there, um, Alpha Tauri wanted just someone just to come in for that one year. That's why I don't think they will drop Nick De Vries mid-season because I think he is just there just just um, to wait a year and then they'll probably, I, I personally think it'll be Liam Lawson going into the next season in that Alpha Tauri car. Yeah, fair enough. No. Um, I got a segue out of the, the whole F1 scene and Monaco Grand Prix. As that, obviously, the Monaco Grand Prix is one of the crown jewels of motor racing. But the another crown jewel of motor racing took place on the same day, literally straight after Monaco, the Indianapolis 500 in IndyCar. Uh, I don't know if either of you two watched it. Did either of you watch it? I didn't watch it, but I heard it was uh, Shadows of uh, Abu Dhabi 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. There may have been some element of Abu Dhabi 2021 in I, that IndyCar race. Massey for the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, aside from that, it was actually a really, really good race. Obviously, Indy 500 is just like, there's nothing quite like the Indianapolis 500 going for 200, 200 laps, 500 miles, full throttle, 240 kilometers an hour, just flooring it. Is it no? It's not kilometers. Miles an hour, two hundred and forty miles an hour, full throttle, no braking anywhere, just straight, just following. In it's it's ridiculous racing. It is a lot of fun, and for a large portion of the race, it looked like it was going to be Alex Pelot that was going to win it. But uh, an incident on pit lane uh, happened where uh, 
a young Dutch driver called Renus VK uh, took him out in the pit lanes. Of course he was done. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this, this, this agenda from you is disgusting, Lewis. It is. Absolutely horrible. <laughs> but yeah, it was a brilliant race and it looked like Pelot was going to win it. But then obviously the pit lane incident happened. And then you had Marcus Ericsson, who was the defending champion of the Indianapolis 500. And I think only three people in Indy 500 history have ever managed to defend a... No, this Marcus would have been the second person in Indy 500 history to defend uh, an Indianapolis 500 win. And he was so close to doing it. But in the final 10 laps, we had a bunch of crashes. Uh, the first one was Kyle Kirkwood, who got caught up in a in a little bit of a, a kerfuffle with a... I can't remember which driver it was, but he'd crashed He'd crashed initially and Carl Kirkwood couldn't get out of the way. So Kirkwood, Kirkwood crashed into him. His car flipped over and he was like turtling against the wall. It, it was very scary. And even scarier, one of the tyres flew into the grandstands, which was very worrying. Thankfully, it missed the grandstand, but it hit a car on the way outside. So it, it, did a bit of, it did a bit of damage there, but thankfully everything was avoided. Loads of chaos. They tried. We tried to get racing again. More and more crashes. Pato Award, who was char- charging Ericsson for the win, crashed out because Ericsson didn't really give him much room. And then we get to a situation where we're two go. And usually, what happens with a with an IndyCar restart is you do one lap out of the pits, and then the next lap becomes like the racing lap. But because there was two laps to go, they come they came out of the pits and instead of doing the, the lap to complete to to make it uh, a last lap, they decided to go straight to green uh, at the end of that warm up lap. So it was kind of it was like it was like Abu Dhabi in a way that I was just about to say it sounds a bit familiar this. <laughs> <laughs> someone someone has written this song before it was very Abu Dhabi-esque in the fact that obviously the safety car came in as soon as those lapped cars were told to overtake it, which probably wasn't, which wasn't supposed to happen. I don't say probably. It definitely wasn't supposed to happen. But it, it allowed for a last lap shootout, which we've seen before. And Marcus Ericsson was leading the way. Joseph Newgarden was charging behind. And with, with IndyCar, Slipstream is ridiculous. So it was just... It was Ericsson trying to break the toe, but into the penultimate corner, turn three, Newgarden gets him to go into the lead. And then he sort of, he, so, he dives towards pit lane to break the toe and drive, drive back across the track. Ericsson can't get him. And Joseph Newgarden wins the Indianapolis 500. First time in 12 attempts for him. And me as a Joseph Newgarden fan, very happy with that. It was very good to see a Max Verstappen win and a Joseph Newgarden win. I will absolutely take that, but uh, yeah, I think Ericsson could be could be aggrieved at the uh, the way he didn't get the the uh, the five hundred. He probably could have, it should have gone to him maybe, but the Joseph Newgarden drives for a team called Team Penske, and uh, the team owner is Roger Penske, and Roger Penske also owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway track, so. You could maybe sense maybe why Joseph Newgarden won that race. Penske car at the Penske track. Maybe it could have happened. But 
I've looked. I've looked at the, the time remaining now. I've got to hurry up. I've got to speed this up a bit now. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that was indie. It was it was ridiculous. If you boys get a chance to watch the highlights, do watch them back. There's indie upload. Indie upload um thirty minute highlights on YouTube. So definitely give that a watch. I don't really want to be reminded of it. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least in this one, you don't have like any allegiances to to root for in indie guy. You can just watch it as a neutral. What was the uh, what was the commentary like? Because I know commentary is a bit a bit shit in uh, over in Amer- across the pond in America. Nah, the, these indie these indie commentators are amazing. It's right. Lee Lee Diffie, uh, Townsend Bell, and uh, James Hinchcliffe are the are the, the commentators. They are so so good. Every race, every single race that they've done has always been amazing on commentary. So, as I said, if you get a chance to rewatch it, do watch it and listen to the commentary. It is, it is really, really good. But anyway, that I will, I will shut up now for IndyCar because we've got about five minutes left. Uh, got to quickly do uh, a Spain preview. Uh, Barcelona coming after Monaco, which seems a bit weird to me. But um, Alex, obviously, you were there uh, last year at, at the at the Spanish Grand Prix. How was it? Uh, it was a great, honestly, one of the best experiences I've you know ever had. You know, it it was amazing. One thing I will say to anyone that is going, if they are listening, be prepared to wait <laughs> quite a lot, especially after any like you qualified in race day, because the train station in Montmelo, it's literally got one platform, and that's it. So, oh dear. Yeah, so apparently people wait for like six hours, and obviously last year it was I think I can't remember if it was thirty nine degrees trackside, so obviously really warm, and like you're in like the open space, aren't you? So there was a lot of people uh, passing out. So obviously make sure you have a lot of water if it's going to be uh, warm. Oh, and also what what we did last year was walk to the next train station, which was about a five k walk. Took us about two hours. <laughs> However long it was. It was ridiculous how hot it was. But yeah, really really good experience. So yeah, anyone who is going, I'm sure you'll have a great great time. Yeah, we we echo the we echo the messages and the the warning sent out by Alex. Do what he says. Listen to Alex everybody. Not the experience. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Listen to the experienced individual. Uh any predictions for, for Spain? Obviously they've got Verstappen. that they've Verstappen winning. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was just gonna say, like they've they've re they've done the track up a little bit. They've got rid of that horrible chicane at the end. So now it's just gonna be flat out into the final corner. I mean, she's gonna see the Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, potentially, maybe. But, I mean, hopefully, it'll make for some good racing. So, like, more I think speed it will. Down. Yeah, I was gonna say more speed to carry down into towards turn one. It'll be. It should be good. Uh, Anything from you, Alex, in terms of predictions? Uh, I'm I'm going to go Mercedes on the on the podium. Interesting. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm leading with Hamilton just because I'm just going off from what I saw last year, and because obviously he had the incident with Magnussen at the start, didn't he? And I'm not like obviously I didn't know what the timings were, but when you watch it, you could just see him slowly get closer each lap to the back of the field. And I think that day he finished fourth in the end, didn't he? But then he had the cooling leak, I think it was. So science went back past him. I think on that day his race pace was up there with the leaders as well. So I'm mm. going off that same thing. I know obviously Red Bull have got quick because I'm not saying he's going to win the race. That's why I'm going to say podium for Mercedes, and I'm leaning more towards Hamilton, but also Russell. I'll take one of either one. Well, not Russell, but <laughs> <laughs> that's for another one. 
the Russell agenda stretches across everyone. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant to see. Um, are we predicting a Ferrari engine blowout? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> As a Ferrari fan, you know you just gotta hope. You just gotta think the worst is gonna happen. So whenever you th- whenever anything good happens, it's you know it's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as, as Lewis said, it has been a while since we've seen a Ferrari engine blow up. We are, we are, to be, we're due one. <laughs> yeah, we are due one. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all the time we've got for this week's episode of Motorsport this week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed. I believe next week's podcast will be with a, a special guest, hopefully, if all goes well. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that, that can be arranged uh, within good time. But yeah hopefully you, hopefully you'll look forward to that one we're looking forward to that one and uh yeah enjoy the the racing this weekend enjoy barcelona enjoy the detroit grand prix for indycar <laughs> probably aimed more at me but yeah uh, yeah enjoy the motorsports enjoy the motorsports this week and uh, we will see you next week for a new episode bye bye <laughs>